Last fall, Brick TV senior producer Sriyanka Ray spent eight weeks in Brownsville spearheading Be Heard Amplified, a new Brick initiative that meets emerging media makers where they live, work, pray, and hang out after school, and gives them the tools and know-how to tell the stories that they think matter most. The classes were led by media artist Nicole Solomon, who spent two months teaching the cohort how to develop and pitch ideas, gather audio, and produce a podcast. And so this month, we're sharing stories from seven of Brooklyn's newest audiomakers. Here's Naishiba. Guess what, guess what, everybody? I have found the jewel in the rough. Now keep in mind, sometimes you have to look hard and deep to find that glistening stone. But I didn't have to look too hard, and I have found it. You ready for it? It's in Brownsville. Well, actually, it is Brownsville. Now, I know some of you might be taken aback by such news, because gangs and poverty and violence are all you hear about Brownsville. But what if I told you that there are mothers and fathers who are using their voices to improve their community? And it doesn't matter whether they're just saying hello to some people on the street, whether they're highlighting activities for young people, whether they're inspiring self-love or just motivating black women to be themselves. The jewel is in the people, the mothers and fathers and aunts and uncles and grandparents, even the people who work in the community, the people who are using their voices to change the narrative. We together can change the narrative of what it means to live, play and work here. So what is the job of the rest of us? Our job is to listen. Word on the Streets, presented by Deshaun Odin, a.k.a. Day Day. Good afternoon, my name is Deshaun Odin, and today I'm outside on the street in Brownsville trying to see what's the word on the street. Today I'm here with a young man named Jeff, and he out here about to tell what's the word about Brownsville. Yeah, what's going on, man? Listen, from what I seen, you know, it's a funny thing. You got one block be trying to come up, right? People, most of the people, the homeowners, the business owners, they're doing positive things. Then you got another block that's starting to decay. People got negative attitude. They're doing negative things. It's a mix. It's like a tale of two Brownsvilles. It's funny because I understand we all are people trying to struggle, you know what I'm saying, people of color. But then you look underneath the fact that we all people of color, you got people who are doing things to separate themselves from the people who are part of their family, rather than not be blood part of the family, but still know they're part of the family because we all one family, we're one color. All right? And it looks shameful when you come through and you see somebody eating out the garbage can while you inside the door going Burger King or McDonald's or whatever case may be, you see people over there throwing half the food away that they ordered. I don't know, man, it's confusing, man. Sometimes, you know, you want just want to manage your stress with a bottle of something cheap or a bottle of something expensive or someone cheap or someone expensive. Or you go pray, you exercise, but after a while, everything that you do, you get tired of. It only, it only serves for a short time. The whole thing I think that we need to do is have more people like you, the young man right here, and the young sister right here, coming together, coming up with positive ideas, and starting it from the bottom, from the grassroots, from the root, from the weed on up. And that's my piece. I'm out. Moving along to our next podcast. 
which is called Hit Me Up Good News, about taking the chains off the minds of the youth and love by using self-love and self-discovery as people, presented by poetess Miss Barbara Jones. Poetess Barbara Jones from Hit Me Up Good News. And later, my co-host star, Love Dina, will be joining me as we share and give information through Heritage House. We'll be interviewing some board members and some other people that have some powerful, knowledgeable information. They said information is powerful and knowledge is the key to life. So we have some powerful information to give out. We start with self-discovery, which Brownsville Heritage House is our Black Culture Resource Center. And there's a lot of information that's being stored there. And we have to get back to who we were as a people before slavery. The kings and the queens and the princes and the princesses that we had. I will be um, doing a piece called Chains on the Mind just so you can op- people can open up, and I hope it resonates with people, and I hope it wakes up our youth. We went from shackles on our feet to chains on our minds. Slavery started way before the Hebrew times and ended up on our own kind. See, the Hebrews, they was in slavery for 400 years, but we're not the only race who drowned in their own tears. They waited for a savior for way too long, as their endurance was known to me as unbearable storms. Now that we're free, we continue to do the master's dirty deeds as we voluntarily serve a master, a master who makes us strive after the wind. When will all this madness finally come to an end? What's the point of being free when most of our youth, all they do is walk around refusing to stand firm and acknowledge the beauty of their existence? Most people f- so free until they don't know what to do with this precious thing called time, just walking around like the dead because some don't believe they're still alive. Now, I don't believe the hype. Time is not on our side. Time is winding up. Besides, it waits for no one. You may not be dead, but a lot of us are still sleeping. The next thing you know, we be singing these sad horrible, terrible songs to our poor children or keep thinking about it as if it's a bedtime story. I thought someone said Martin Luther King said he's seen the glory. Now all we want to do is cry about how no one was there for you. Let the pains from the past make you strong. Let's not stay stuck in the past. That's not where you belong. The pains from the past is the chains on our minds. Do you believe me or have you forgot? Do you realize it can weigh you down as well as take you out? Lots of our people came from broken homes. Most of us so lost for so long, so either we don't know or remember where we belong. So let's take the chains off our minds and let's fight together to keep the shackles off our brothers and sisters' feet. Please let's not turn around and put them on our hearts after finally beating victory from defeat. Let's learn to live in peace and harmony. Let's show the new generation how I enjoy being free. Does freedom live within you? Because I know it lives within me. And slavery concerning me, I'm no longer letting it be a part of me. Because I am free at last, free at last. Thank God Almighty, I am free at last. Now, I want to talk about this chains on the mind, and I'm going to give you some clues on how we can get the chains off our minds. 
and help others take the chains off our minds and for sure keep the shackles off our brothers' and sisters' feet. And we can do this by doing some self-discovery of who we were before slavery, the kings and the queens and the princes and the princesses that we are, that we still are to this day, except for we don't know. So we need to do some self-discovery, practice some self-love, and in our next episode, I'll be talking about what a love does. And that'll be my next piece that I'll be reciting, along with some beautiful music. Um, I have a personal problem with black-on-black crime. I got a problem with crime, period. People hurting each other or hurting others, hurting themselves mostly. Because, you know, I was told forgiveness is not just for someone else, it's for yourself. And I learned how important that frees your mind, too. That's part of that. Um, just 61 days ago, my son was shot and murdered by another young man. It rips my heart to a core. It has me broken inside. It's so painful. And my heart goes out to anybody that have lost their child. Loss is a terrible thing to deal with. It's um very, very deep. And what's even deeper is when others can bring you so much pain and not even care. But I care. And I want others to care too. When we stop hurting ourselves and stop hurting others. So let's take the chains off of mine. And please stay tuned to listen for more information. And I would like to thank Brick Radio for allowing me the opportunity with freedom to speak. Thank you. And until next time, stay tuned. And take care of yourself and others. Good afternoon, good afternoon. Today I'm outside in the world of the street asking young people questions about what's going on in Brownsville. And by the way, my name is Deshaun Odin. All right, hold on. What's up? My name is Shaka. I'm the merchant traveler. All right, I'm a vendor over here. I've been vending for, for 10 years. I've been to different countries. I used to vend in Philadelphia, you know what I mean? You know, I sell, I sell natural hair, pomade, soap oil, incense, you know what I mean, sage, you know, natural products, uh, aromatherapy, and I'm, you know, I'm on location here in Brownsville. I'm an African-American. I'm from America, you know what I mean? I'm one of the few, I'm probably the only black American on this block. You know, everybody else here is Africans, foreigners, and stuff like that. And I'm originally from Brooklyn. You know, we getting ran out of here. What do you want to bring to Brownsville? I'm bringing entrepreneurship and good products. All right. Welcome. Welcome, everyone. Welcome to Don't Touch My Money podcast, which is a financial education money management for everyday people from the perspective of a single male or man and an entrepreneur, business owner, and mom of a spunky four-year-old. Um, presented by Anita Pierce, a.k.a. Sis, and myself, Swa.
Don't touch my money. Welcome to Don't Touch My Money Podcast. A discussion of money and finances for everyday individuals, spoken from the perspective of an entrepreneur, mother of an amazing, spunky 4.5-year-old, and... A single man, male, whatever you want to call me. Single, single person, say that. Okay. So this is Anita Pierce, and... Swa. A.K.A. Sis and Fago. Or Fag Sauce. That drip on it. (laughs) So just a little bit about who I am. My name is Anita Pierce, entrepreneur, mother, wife, more than 15 years of financial services experience, coupled with nonprofit management, love to volunteer, um, transitioned out of the nonprofit world and moved into entrepreneurship after I became a mother. Me, um... I've had too many jobs for me to start listing. I've worked, I've done did everything, nonprofit, whatever, whatever you want. I, I done did everything. But um, I've gotten out of debt and then I put myself back in debt. You know, so I know what it's like. I know what the feeling is like. I know, you know, some of the issues that come along with that. But So, um, my debt experience started when I entered into college. Um, I had no prior knowledge of what it meant to have credit cards or, you know, any type of um, debt, long-term, positive, just, I didn't have any of that. So I remember um, coming out of school one day and there was a whole bunch of tables lined up with these guys out there with applications. And so I decided to go check it out. But, you know, I should have probably kept walking because (laughs) there was... Master, Visa, Discover, your mother, your father, sitting out there, <laughs> sitting there, you know, and the only thing you had to do was provide them, fill out an application and provide them with your student ID. So mm-hmm. that was the start of my getting into debt because okay. I had no real understanding of, you know, credit cards. I just knew that now I had the ability to go shopping and become fresh. Oh, yeah, that's all it was about. That, that was the same thing with me, you know, going to school and, and they line up and they giving you free gifts and everybody talking about, you know, credit history and, you know, building up credit. I, I didn't know what that was about. I was just like, yo, hold up. You know what I'm saying? I got 1500 on the card, you know, 2000 on the card. You ain't got to talk to my mama, nothing. I'm fresh off the block. Oh, we going to get it. You know what I'm saying? We going to go, go get fresh for real. We're going to go shopping. You know what I'm saying? They gave us free pens and whatever you wanted. Bought a bottle. And it was just that quick. It was off to the races. You know. Um, so how long were you in debt? How much debt did you acquire while you were in college? Oh, man. So you're talking about once I got myself stable. So at the time that I signed up the credit cards, I need to point out that I didn't have a job. Right? So I wanted to be, I want to be very clear. I had no job. But I was able to secure almost $10,000 in credit limits without having a job. So what, what my process was, I wound up eventually getting a part-time job, which in, in turn turned to, turned to two, full, two part-time jobs, which I tried to make up the numbers 
which I which technically I was unemployed. So what I did was I had two part-time jobs and I was trying to accumulate that 35 or 40 hours. So by the time I got my first full-time job, I was probably like twenty to twenty-five thousand dollars in credit card debt alone. Not a mortgage, not car note, but just credit card debt. Right. Right. Um, you still in college or you had finished college by then? No, I was still in college. Okay. All I was right. still in college. Mm-hmm. And I had all accumulated all that debt because I wanted to be fresh and didn't know how to manage mm-hmm. my credit. See, unlike her, um, I had a part-time job. I always had a part-time job. So I was in school and I had a part-time job. And um, when I got my credit, credit card, I did the same thing. I maxed it out quick. You know what I'm saying? Because it was so easy. You just go into the store and you just swipe. Nobody's asking any questions. As long as you, you know, I had college ID and the credit card, that was it. You going to the store, pair of sneakers, jeans, outfit, whatever. I was swiping my life away. You know what I'm saying? But um, I just continue to swipe away. You know, and mine about the same, about twenty five thousand, twenty thousand, something like that. Still not even understanding nothing about credit score. I nothing. No, you know that wasn't a discussion in the household. Mom never, you know, spoke about. You know, credit cards. She just always spoke about, you know, what I'm saying, get money, save money, and go buy a house. But nobody, nobody in my family had a credit card. That was the first one to have a credit card. I remember being um, at my job, at my desk, and when I was at my desk, I wound up, um, you know, going through the process of. Yeah, yeah. Going through the process of, um, you know, sitting at my desk, like chilling, you know, still, I still had this debt, right? This is the thing. I still had the debt and I was sitting at my desk and I got a phone call transferred to my desk and I just remember sitting there and I answered the call and they're asking for me, Hey, I'm looking for Anita Pierce. You know, this is so-and-so from so-and-so credit. And I'm like, in my head, I'm like, how the F they found me? Like, you know, so, because when you're filling out those applications from years ago, I didn't have a job, so there was no way in my head that they were really tracking me, right? So I had mm-hmm. I had went through a number of different jobs. I'm in a good career right now, so I didn't think that, that my history was going to catch up with me. And right. so what I did was I just kind of you know, answered the phone, I was like, tight. And I'm like, yo, I, I don't, I, this, that was it for me. I didn't want anybody, mm-hmm. you know, at that point I had moved on, not mm-hmm. really, I still had the debt, right. but I thought I was doing, being responsible with it, but I was mm-hmm. not because they got me. Okay, so that, that once they got you, just like the warmer squad, you know what I'm saying, they knock on your door six in the morning, you know. Let me, let, me, let me just backtrack a little bit. So even with like that feeling that you had when you was in debt, how did you cope with that? Because a lot of people may not know how to cope with that feeling. Because it's a feeling. It's like you got something on your back. You know what I'm saying? You got weights on your back. How did you cope with that? What, what made you... What, being while I was in debt? Yeah. How did you deal with that feeling? How did you deal with it? How I, did you ease up that pressure? There was no pressure. What I, There was no, no easing up because I didn't know how to at first. What I did was I continued to shop. I continued <laughs> to do the same behaviors until I, until I got that phone call because... It was it, that was my wake up call. I'm trying to do oh, okay. certain and accomplish certain things in my life, and I and and that that hit me, and I was like, yo, I can't, 
I can't do this. I can't buy a house. I can't do this. I can't do all these other things if I, if I haven't yet dealt with this responsibility mm-hmm. of managing my finances. Like, I had to deal with that. That was me taking a clear picture and looking at, like, yo, you walking around here being a fraud. Like, stop. Just deal with it. And it's not, mm-hmm. I'm not suggesting that everyone else is a fraud. I'm talking about how I dealt with it right. within myself. Right. Because I want to try to, you know, it's like you walking around. Like, I, you see things and you're like, nah, they're not really living their they full life. You know what I mean? Right. So that's how I had to deal with it. Because the truth is, there was no stopping me. I was still maxing out, you know, paying a little bit. Then like, yo, I got I got a hundred dollars <laughs> on on my credit card. Like, let me go spend that. That's that was what I was doing, and it right. made no sense because at the end of the day, you getting phone calls, you getting letters, and and when somebody call your job, your place of employment, and nobody don't know how you living. No, thank you. Right. No, thank we you. all have these things that trigger us, right? And um, once you understand what those triggers are, you're able to deal with them in a different in a different way. Right. Right. So, so when I think about money, like even though I, you know, enjoy still the retail therapy, right? I understand now that, you know, because I'm an entrepreneur, there are certain things that I have to do. So I created a budget, right? And included in my budget is a line item, what I call bullshit spending. That's my line, for real. <laughs> um, and I have it because, you know, I know that most people, some thought leaders be like, stop spending, don't spend anything. You can't do anything. And the reality is we're human and we will make mistakes and we will learn from our mistakes, but we have to show ourselves some sort of grace. So my grace means that I put in my budget to do things that will make me, that are like my trigger points. Now I don't overspend, right? So every month is not the same for me. I don't, you know, if I if I bring in $5,000, I'm not gonna burn $5,000 because I'm an entrepreneur, right? I'm just not gonna do that. But I also know that I'm gonna put aside for money because that's a part of my mental therapy, my spending therapy. And, and on top of that, I stay in the clearance rack. So, you know, everything goes on sale. And I'm not saying that, you know, you gotta go cold turkey because, you know, just like anything, you know, debt, food, alcohol, sex could be an addiction. Mm. So we gotta kind of figure out, you know, what our, our things that trigger us in order to be able to help us to get to where we want to be in life. That's a fact, that's a fact. You know, we wanna save some for the next time we meet. Um, we want to leave you with three things. Write down everything you owe, do real numbers, be realistic with yourself, see how much you make, right, as opposed to how much you owe, um, which you can cut, cut back on, create a budget for yourself. Even if you're in debt, you can still create a budget for yourself. You know, um, if you eat out every day, um, if you eat out every day, um, maybe you could bring lunch, lunch to work now instead of eating out. You know, we're not saying don't eat out. We're just saying don't do it every day. You know, if you do go out on the weekend and you're spending three, $500, maybe you might go out and just spend $100. We're not saying don't be human. We're just saying, uh, you know, you know, minimize that. Minimize it the best way that you can. Um, you also want to um, tackle it from smallest to largest. 
right? We're not gonna we're not gonna bore you to death. We're gonna leave you on those three because when we come back on the next episode, we're gonna get into APR rates. We're gonna get to student loan. We're gonna get into the sm- more of the snowball effect, like Sis was saying. Um, we're gonna get into more of that in, in, in greater detail. You know, we're gonna get into credit reports. You know, we just wanna, you know, uh, enlighten you a bit. But right now, right now, we're gonna sign off. I go by the name of Swa, and I go by the name of Sis, aka Anita Pierce. <laughs> go. Until the next time. Don't, Don't touch, touch my, my money. Here we go with our next podcast, Ask a Black Woman, asking questions about being a black woman from non-black people, presented by Miss Nashiva Starr. Have you ever wondered what it must be like to have to explain most of who you are? Like, you gotta explain what you like and what you don't like. What you said and what they thought you said. How you said it. How you raise your kids. How you dress. What your swag is. That is what it's like to be a black woman. But that's not what this show is about. This show is not about introducing high-end topics that affect black people and then challenging you on those topics. This show is not about colorism. It's not about my past struggles with trying to get to a beauty standard that I will never meet. This show is not about how the discipline of black children is always the subject of debate. It's not about how the infant and maternal morbidity rate amongst black women in New York is some of the highest in the country. It's not even about how the mass incarceration of so many black males have led to a diminishing in the black family unit and some would say was a clandestine approach to eugenics because options were limited to non-black males. Nope, that's not what this show is about either. Cause let's be real, how sick are you of hearing another black person, particularly a black woman, whine, complain, and dare I say it, I'm gonna say it, get angry about all the injustices that she and her group are facing. This is Naishiva Star, and this is the first episode of Ask a Black Woman, where non-blacks get to ask all the dire questions about black people, the things that you've been meaning, wanting, yearning to ask, like, why you wear your hair like that? Now, why would a show like this have value? To be honest, probably for purely selfish reasons. I'm in a lot of different cultural, professional, social, and intellectual circles. Probably because of my cultural, social, professional, and intellectual experiences. But I always seem to be inadvertently put on the defensive. 
And I'm put in this position because there always seems to be a gross misunderstanding of black womanhood and black womanness. Let me explain a little of what I mean by sharing a little story. But before I do, let's quickly revisit something. Everyone's heard of the doll test. You know the 1940 test by Kenneth and Mamie Clark where they asked black children to answer a few questions by choosing between a white doll and a black doll. The questions range anywhere from something like, which one's the good doll? Which one's the bad doll? Show me the nice doll. Which one you want to play with? The results of the study showed that the majority of black children rejected the black doll, and when those same kids had to show the doll that looked most like themselves, most of the kids recoiled at the idea of acknowledging that same doll that they just rejected. Now back to my story. I once received the question, what does it matter the race of the doll? A doll is a doll, right? So I remember a non-black mom asking me, why do black mothers make such an effort to get their girls a doll that look like themselves? She said, a doll is a doll, right? And it brought me back to a time when my daughter was about five or six years old. She had worked so hard to earn herself an American Girl doll. Now, if you know anything about those dolls, or if you don't know anything about those dolls, the only thing you might know is that they were $110. So I was so proud of her when she finally earned this doll. We went to the store, we took pictures, and she did such an amazing job um, working up to it. And so when we stood right in the middle of the store and I finished clicking away and I looked at her and I said, okay, go get your doll. And she was elated and she walked around and she looked and I watched her. She looked at the other little girls and I watched her. She looked at the options and I watched her and she came over to me with a doll that looked nothing like her. And I said, but baby, why do you want that doll? And she said, but mommy, because it's so pretty. And I looked at the doll and I looked at my daughter and I looked at the doll and I looked at my daughter. And this doll was fair skin and blonde hair and dark greenish eyes, so to speak. And I said, but baby, can't you find any dolls that look like you? And she looks at me and so strong in her five, six-year-old voice. She said, but mommy, where? And I stopped for a moment and I looked around the store and I realized that she was right. Not many of the dolls, matter of fact, none of the dolls looked like her. None of them was her brown complexion. None of them had puffs in their hair or even an afro. And none of them had her dark brown eyes, except I think maybe a couple of the, the ones that looked a little bit more Spanish. And you might wonder, why does this matter? Well, because when a little girl goes into a place to choose a doll and all the selections are dolls that look nothing like her, what does that tell her about herself? So eventually we wind up compromising and she got a doll that was somewhere between my complexion and her complexion. The hair was not coily at all, but we figured we could figure out a way to make it such. But I left there thinking, wow, she had worked really hard to get something that reflected her or reflected to her what herself is or who herself is. And the one doll that was the darkest skin that represented a little black girl 
was the one that was like a slave doll. So we have to think about that, right? Because I certainly did for a really long time. And I had a lot of talks with her about that afterward because I realized it's hard for little black girls to see themselves when every time they portray little girls, the little black girl is rarely in the mix. Now I ask you non-black mothers of little girls, do you ever have to wonder if your daughter sees enough stimulating, ambitious, and powerful representations of herself? That was a rhetorical question. Because after all, this show is called Ask a Black Woman. All the way from Brick and Hope and Healing Family Center, a podcast presented by Suzette Jules Jack, bringing to you maternal health and information. Good evening. My name is Suzette Jules Jack, and I am here today bringing to you maternal health information. The name of the organization is Hope and Healing Family Center. And um, we are here to, in, to educate the community in which um, we have pregnant moms, no specific community, but we're here to educate you. Um, my name is Suzette Jules Jack, and I'm here with my friend, uh, Dovey Matthews. And we are recording our first podcast. Dovey here has been a friend of mine, how long? About 20 years? Oh, Lord, a long, long time. And besides being 20 years, um, between the two of us, she's the funniest one. <laughs> yeah, she's the funniest one. Dovey, how old are you? Next May 10th, I will be 80 years old. Wow. Wow. Girl, and, and don't have, look, and, and don't look a day old. You mentioned earlier about people having their babies. Yes, I am a certified community birthing service provider. That's it. And um, <laughs> we, um, one of the things that we do is we go to the hospital with moms whenever it is that they are ready to give birth. And we stay with them until they give birth. Okay. What about you? Okay, well, as Suzette said, my name is Dovey. And I'm interested in talking about after the children start to grow a little older mm-hmm. and they need to start learning how to integrate into the rest of the world and society and learn right. things. And I'm talking about children like the ages of two to to five or two to six. Okay. And I would like to talk about, I'd call it a child's world. Okay, great. It would be the beginning of a series of podcasts where parents could work with their preschoolers, Mm -hmm. teaching them things to do at home where they could work together rather than the child just sitting around not learning anything. 
I became interested in uh, working with children when I was very, very young. I was the one in the family that everybody always came to say, I want you to babysit. Mm. The people in the block, take care of my child. I loved children. I still love children. And I, because I look at them, they're such like little sponges. Mm -hmm. You know, yes. if you're, and children can tell what you're mm -hmm. about. Yes. I was born in Mississippi. And at the age of four months, my parents moved to Ohio. Mm. I've never seen the place where I was born. I've never been back there. But I lived in Ohio for until I was 21. Then I moved to New York. Mm. And I've been here since then. That's good. Well, in my case, I was, um, I was raised, I was born and raised in um, Panama, Republic of Panama. And I came here at the age of 19. And I've lived here all this time. Um, I have one brother, one sister that... Um, I'm kind of interested in, I know that you're doing the birthing um, part with the parents now, mm -hmm. mothers now, but what other type work have you been into? What is your background? <clears throat> My background is case management. I've been doing case management for more than 20 years. I've worked with several population. I've worked with um, HIV population. I've worked with teenagers. I've worked with um, mental health and slash HIV slash all sorts of different uh, um, mental illness. And, um, and now with families, but that's how, that's what I've been doing for the past 20, almost 30 years now. Well, I can see how we were drawn to each other. Your background is sort of like mine. Yes, yes. Yeah, I worked with, oh God, so, it's, it's a social service background. Yes. One of the most challenging and satisfying programs that I ever did was when we had, the only one they had in New York State, it was a TB housing program. Mm. It was for people who had multiple drug-resistant tuberculosis. Wow. They had to be HIV positive, have a mental illness problem, have a substance abuse problem, and homeless. Wow. But we found them <coughs> homes. A couple of them we found jobs for mm. and all, but it, it was a very rewarding Water. program. Mm -hmm. But I've always worked with the um, homeless and the mental, mentally ill. Mm. So. I remember the first time when I, um, I decided to work with, with um, the HIV population. That's when um, Magic Johnson mm had uh, come out and said that he was HIV positive. And, um, you know, people didn't know much about it. And when I started to tell my family, my, um, my grandmother, oh, I love her, but she was like, no, why are you doing working with those people? You don't know what you're doing. Right. And you know, you just, have, you just had a baby and you're gonna bring that sickness home to your baby. And I'm like, no, you guys gotta educate yourself. Mm -hmm. So what I did, because my mother and my grandmother didn't live here in New York, I got a manila envelope, fill it up with information. I made sure I did two. 
of everything mm -hmm. and sent it to them. And I told both of them, I says, I want both of you to read it and I will call you guys in two weeks. And when I call you, you guys, I want both of you to ask me any question. Mm -hmm. What I don't know, I will find out. And what I do know, I will answer. But y'all are not going to be ignorant to this. That's the population I work with, and that's the population I'm going to remain with until I choose to change. And I'll say this much, I had no more issues. Okay. Why? Because they realize. You're not going to change my mind, but I'm educating you so you don't sound... How does it look that I work with a population and you know nothing about it? Mm -hmm. You know? So it worked out pretty good. As, as we know, the, um, the topic for, for my show is maternal health. Now, maternal health comes in so many different ways. Um, the topics that we want to bring is um, trimesters, meaning your first three months, your second three months, and your last three months before you give birth. We will break it down and explain to you what each trimester means and the body change. Um, the baby's growth, meaning um, how babies grow within from one, from zero to three months, and um, what to look for, the, the weight approximately, and, um, and then that way you will have an idea of what to, what questions that you can ask your pediatrician. Uh, the, the difference between a midwife and an OBGYN doctor, um, the importance of going to the dentist, childbirth, um, what to expect, newborn care, choosing your pediatrician, self-care, postpartum. To give you a little taste on what we, one of the topics that we want to bring, that is about the dentist. The importance of mom going to the dentist. When you're pregnant, babies do take the calcium from you. So going to the dentist, making sure that you your teeth is being clean, you're taking care of your gums, you're eating properly to make sure that you have enough vitamins, you're taking your prenatal care. All of these little things help with you going to the dentist. So in that being said, we are going to find out, we're gonna sign off today and we will be back on Tuesday at one o'clock from one to two and we are here wanting you to help us to, you know, put more topics out there. So here is an email that you can send us the topics that you would like to hear. Any questions or any concerns, and we will be able to bring guest speakers also. The, uh, the email address is hhfc01 at ymail.com. I repeat, hhfc01 at ymail.com. Com. Thank you and have a great day. Bye.
This leads us to our next podcast, A Child's World, Teaching the Youth, by Dovey Matthews. This is Debbie Matthews bringing you an introduction to A Child's World. A Child's World is the composition of a series of programs providing teaching and learning fun activities for you and your child of preschool age, ages two through six. These activities can be designated as playtime for you and your child. The program will address fun time learning skills for your child ranging from attention span to skills such as early reading, early math, listening, problem solving, communication, and creativity. Also, fine motor skills and gross motor skills, plus much, much more will be addressed. An example of the early reading skills, which will be incorporated in the program, is your child's learning the alphabet, recognizing the letters of the alphabet, the capital and the small letters of the alphabet, as well as the sound of each letter. Tune in each Saturday morning at 10 a.m. for the learning skill of the week. The first program will air on Saturday, December 14, 2019 at 10 a.m. So until then, this is Debbie Matthews for A Child's World. Good afternoon, everybody. My name is Deshaun Odin, and today I'm out here in Brownsville seeing what's the world on the street. And today I got a young lady named Mrs. S. Dot, and she's about to tell you what's going on in the street. Good afternoon. My name is Nodine Scott. I work for the New York City Department of Probation, and I am currently situated on the Brownsville Neon, located at 444 Thomas S. Boylan Street. So basically, what you're trying to tell me, what's improvement in Brownsville? There's a lot going on in Brownsville. Of course, you know, Brownsville has a culinary institute that's here. We have connection to services through Legal Hand. We have connection through service. Well, Legal Hand offers all types of legal services that people can get connected to. They have a lot of other services within the community. They have the BEOC, which is a GED program upstairs in the, um, the building called 444 Thomas Boylan. So please, community, let's get involved, let's get empowered, and let's move on. Thank you. And that's enough. That's the end of my show, The World on the Street. This podcast is produced as part of BRICS hashtag Be Heard Amplified initiative, which combines the power of media and community to foster citizen engagement in important civic issues. This podcast is edited by Nicole Solomon and recorded on location at Neon Brownsville. It is produced by the participants of Hashtag Be Heard Amplified's podcasting classes with the assistance of our associate producer, Sharrington Haynes, 
and supervising producer, Sriyanka Ray. Hashtag Be Heard Amplified is supported by the Lincoln Center Cultural Innovative Fund. This fund is generously supported by the Rockefeller Foundation and administered by Lincoln Center. On behalf of all of these podcasts, we would like to thank Brick for allowing us the opportunity to create, learn, and elevate. Brooklyn USA is produced by me, Sasha Mathias, and Emily Bogosian, Shadeen Bargi, Kyrell Palmer, and Charlie Hoxie. We're tackling everything from language to cooperative economics this season, and we want to hear from you. If you want in, send tips, pitches, thoughts, ideas, self-destructing messages, or just regular normal emails to radiopitches at brickartsmedia.org. And check the show notes for a link to our pitch page if you want more info. This episode featured music from the DeWolf Music Library. For more information on this and all Brick Radio podcasts, visit brickartsmedia.org slash radio.